Reset after COVID. How does a church reset and reopen? That is the topic of today's podcast. Welcome to ReChurch. I'm Marshall Fant, the Director of Church Consulting and Strategic Planning for Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. My purpose is to encourage pastors and church leaders as you refocus, renew, and revitalize your churches. We've established this podcast to offer practical tips and suggestions as you equip disciples to make disciples. Welcome back to ReChurch. This is Marshall Fant. I have a great friend here who has agreed to be with us today. Corey, glad you're able to join us. Thank you so much. My privilege and a hello from Wisconsin. Beautiful Wisconsin morning. All right, Corey, give your full name, your ministry, a little bit about your background. Absolutely. So my name is Corey Faffey. Uh, my wife, Lori, and I celebrate August our 44th wedding anniversary. We have three children spread around the country with our eight grandchildren. And both Lori and I are preacher's kids from pastors in small town Midwest churches. And what a blessing to grow up in a pastor's home. Hmm. And that's part of our heritage. Amen. So now, right now, you are in a ministry that I have a kindred spirit with. We met at a conference. And we actually got a chance to play around the golf together. So that's always a way to get to know somebody. <laughs> it is. And, and so as we talk, again, your current ministry, you are, I consider you a co-laborer for churches, missionaries, vocational ministry. Uh, and your, your giftedness is in the area of accounting and business and organization. Is that a fair way to put it? Yes, God's blessed us with a wide variety of opportunities. Uh, we moved our family to southern Wisconsin 30 years ago after uh, one of my clients of the CPA firm I owned, Maranatha Baptist University, hired us to come and be the uh, dean of the School of Business. So just a lot of opportunities to serve Christians, Christian ministry in a, in a wide variety of areas. So you are in the private or public, whatever you call it, CPA world. Maranatha calls you, you come and be the chairman of the business department, is that right? Correct. And how many years did you serve in that capacity? 30 years. Wow, wow, yes. congratulations. Oh, and uh, I love the graduates. It was a blessing to be a professor. I was simultaneously still doing ministry to others outside as a CPA. That part of my life continued to grow, grow, grow. So a couple of years ago, I said, I, I just need to do one thing. Yeah. And so Ministry CPA has been our focus. Now, uh, the last oh, three years, still very connected with Maranatha. I love the people there. And, of course, my former students and, and graduates. Wow. So now your current web address of your ministry, Corey. Yes. So it is Ministry CPA, one word, uh, dot O-R-G. And so it's pretty easy to find us. And a lot of people, they're not clients, but they visit our website, they visit our blog, and they submit questions and we get a chance to respond to it and it builds our repertoire of research and helps. But that's at ministrycpa.org. Great. Now, one reason I want to interview Corey for the sake of our pastors and deacons and church leaders is, Corey, we, we don't consider ourselves experts. You consider yourself a co-laborer with churches. Is that fair to say it that way? Oh, absolutely. Okay. We love to learn. We love to keep learning. 
Okay, so I just and, wanted to make uh, sure it's, it's that, blessing. you know, there, there are people that come in to tell churches what to do, but after talking to Corey, his heartbeat is to assist. His heartbeat is to help churches and not try to tell a church. He'll give them his advice, right? But there's also a, a line in there where we're co-laborers. We're helping churches as they seek to please Christ. And so I want to make sure that people understand what I perceived as your spirit of ministry with that. Okay, so here's our topic. All right, I like a lot of R words, R-E words, like renew, revitalize, refocus. And the word I want to talk about is reset, okay? Because there was pre-COVID, and now we're entering into post-COVID. And so as we talk through this, Corey, let's go pre-COVID, okay? The churches and ministries that you serve, what do most churches do well? What would be in the area of accounting and business and budgets and finances and salaries and benefits and all that area that ministries have to do. The typical church uh, that would listen to this podcast, what, what are the things they do well? Sure. So we end up serving a wide variety of ministries. And there's, of course, the lead pastor, maybe some associates. There can be paid administrative people and very often significant volunteers Mm -hmm. who give a lot of time to their ministries. And so we work, yes, with those pastors, but also those lay people who are serving those roles. And, And we find those individuals who have been tasked with that administrative area, the finances, the processing, we find some character qualities in them that we just enjoy talking to them and helping them. They're eager to learn. They are concerned that they maybe have missed something and you can help them. So is there something they're missing in the area of compensating their pastors Mm. or maybe complying with federal or state or local laws? Maybe it's the whole area of trying to provide some level of financial leadership in their church. It can be major projects. It can be just the day-to-day grind of financial things, but we find that these individuals who have given themselves to serve in these capacities, they're the cream of the crop of most of these congregations. And of course, we, we, we get to connect with them. Right. So we get an impression of it. But I enjoy working with those people and I see the quality of people, but they, they definitely know that they're concerned they might be missing something. Mm, and that's a good thing, right? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> That's a very good thing. All right, so what? So the concern, they do well. They're extremely committed, whether it be a treasurer or accounting committee or deacon in charge of finances or budgets. Can I sidetrack into a question you brought sure. up? Sure. All right, so one of the questions I'm asked a lot, especially when I go in and help churches that are in transitions, they're looking for a new pastor. A common question is, I'll ask you, so Corey, if I'm uh, – a deacon concerned in my church, I'll ask you this question, Corey, how do you recommend setting a compensation package for a pastor? Let's say a church with one single pastor. I mean, not single as in not married, but single as in he is the sole pastor. What's your recommendation as a church is trying to have a really effective ministry to this pastor and his family? Where would you start setting compensation? Right. So often there is a history behind those kind of decisions where, well, where did we pay the prior pastor? Those kind of issues. And so that is a natural kind of a place that churches will start. And they might say, well, 
this is the total number our budget can afford and tell us how you want it broken down pastor between things like housing allowances and benefits for your your family but the churches that really want to take a step forward particularly when it comes to pastoral transition right we'll get involved with them in some sort of a compensation study okay where we'll use access to survey data Mm-hmm. That tells them, okay, based on the size of the church and the church giving, um, maybe the qualifications of the pastor from a from a, a academic standpoint. Sure. You know, do they yeah. have a master's degree? How long have they been in ministry? Those kind of things. Area of the country. Area of the country. Yeah. There's uh, some good data available for that. But then to just at least get an idea of what would be comparable. And, you know, we're not trying to bankrupt the church. And sometimes it's the pastor himself who is, you know, certainly just at least as concerned as the church itself that it'd be financially viable. But to me, what it does is it gives the church and the leadership, the lay leadership, a target. Right. What would be at least comparable? Are we at that point or not? What can we do to get to that point? We like to do that. And then also... To actually have a conversation, a private conversation with the pastor, confidential. Mm-hmm. What what is your situation? So we have a an interview process that we go through with a pastor, as the church has probably hired us to do that. Right. And then we get into the weeds with the pastor, and we'll come back to the deacons. Typically, what are some areas that without violating the privacy of their pastor's family, what are areas that they could give attention to? Sure. So you're available for this type of thing, right? Oh, we we get into that. Okay. We love it. Uh-huh. And and doing like a, a Skype session or a Zoom yeah. session with a deacon board that loves their pastor? Right. Well, that's a great day. Yeah, because a lot of churches I don't think understand that some of the salaries and benefits a pastor has, he may be paying both sides of Social Security. Right. Um, where their check, you know, half of it's being met by their employer. So I think that's a great way to be able to work out with you to be able to help them understand that's a very touchy subject and how to address it. All right. So you got budgets, and part of that's going to be obviously salaries and benefits for staff. What else do you see that churches, they're concerned, they're doing well in that? What would be one more area that most churches do well? Would it be record keeping? Would it be giving out financial statements to members? What would it be? Yeah, I would say it's a an awareness of the concern to try to protect people and the ministry mm-hmm. from putting themselves. Here's what I believe: it's wrong for a church to put an individual in a position where, in spite of impeccable integrity, you've provided no accountability around them. And now they're at risk, the ministry's at risk. The answers aren't always clear to pastors, maybe, or to church people. Some some are very competent in these areas, but they're concerned about it, and they're trying to do what they can to protect. Hmm. They do things with offering counts to try to protect those people. They make sure that when disbursements are made, that, you know, boy, we're putting that treasure in a bad spot here. What could we do differently? So I appreciate the alertness. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see the Apostle Paul and the other scriptures you read. There's a good Bible model for this. 
that he wanted accountability. And I, I don't know how much pastors preach about that accountability factor, but people seem to get it, at least people in leadership. Sure. Okay. Because all it would take was one accusation of a financial scandal against a pastor, and he's done. Right. Or even a treasurer yes. or whatever. Just the accusation itself uh, may not be able to re recover from that. Good. Well, the yeah. confidence the confidence of the people. Yeah. Okay, so you're a person in the pew, and you, you love God, and you've— Maybe from, from your youth been trained to be a steward of your own resources hmm. and to be generous with God's work, his workers, his other people. And here you feel like, oh, I, I, I'm very concerned that we're not being faithful with the resources God's asked me wow. to funnel to his local church. Yep. That yep. confidence is very important. It is. It is. Do you recommend an outside person coming in for a financial review and if so, how often uh, would you recommend an outside person coming in just to review the books of a church? Right. So often a word is passed around in those kind of conversations, the word audit. Yeah, I, I was avoiding that word. <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you very much, because you understand, yeah. um, and many do, but some do not, that when a certified public accountant hears the word audit, he knows all sorts of uh. really detailed processes come up and it involves a very expensive activity exactly. and uh, it's it's really I believe and I'm a CPA I've done auditing but I believe in most cases that's not what is needed if a church is going for a multi-million dollar mortgage they probably are going to have to do that kind of thing or if it's a very large ministry well and, and maybe sometimes has uh, ancillary ministries along with it Yes, those are requirements. Right. But but, but the norm yeah. <laughs> for the <laughs> average church listening to this podcast. Right, right. What we do is we call it an operational review. Uh, I like that word. Yeah. We're trying to stay away from the word audit, of course. Yeah. And we're also trying to say this is not totally focused on your balance sheet yeah. or your profit and loss. Right. This is focused on, and these are some of the areas that, we think can be helpful to a church, right. also gives some level of confidence. For example, the processing of transactions, cash receipts, cash disbursements, what are the policies and the procedures around those things? Are they documented? Could somebody easily pick it up if someone were to move away quickly or something? Right. Do those procedures protect the people who are assigned to it? What about budgeting? Is there a process to develop a budget mm -hmm. that includes both bottom-up and top-down yeah. type of access or information being given into the budget? Right. All this is part right. of the review, right? Right. Would you recommend that every year, every third year? What would be a church that has, you know, they've done a good job. How often would you recommend that? Well, I'd say it's certainly a different thing for each ministry and depending on who can do it, the cost of it, those kind of things. We're doing an operational review right now for a church who has had a, a treasure for many years, who's now retired. They're bringing on a new treasure. They have a young pastor, an exciting ministry, and they just feel like we just want to make sure as we move forward with a new treasure and we want to serve our pastor and the people. So they've asked us to do that, and we, we're doing a fairly extensive operational review. In other ministries, maybe it's 
every five years they bring in someone else. Okay. But part of the process we would suggest is that they, there's an implementation of an internal process okay. with some training materials, with some ideas of how to report to the congregation, and with a, with a solid purpose. You know, like for example, we shouldn't have the treasurer's spouse on the committee to do this annual process. Right. And that can kind of fill the gap in, in between perhaps several years of not having an outsider come by. Okay, so now all these things are current ongoing ministries that must take place. All right, but now we had this thing called COVID come into play. Right. And COVID interrupted ministry. It interrupted our nation. It interrupted the world. And as we are reopening in, in like the word, there's a chance to hit the reset button. Okay. So again, you deal with many, many, many ministries. So I'm asking you can go, to ground zero, or you can stay at 30,000 feet, however, whatever, how far you want to go with this. Okay, okay, but my question would be, as a ministry has a chance to hit the reset button, what would be some areas that you would challenge that, okay, here's some general thoughts, here's a chance to reset. We don't know what the new norm is going to be. I mean, you know, we always right. heard uh, buildings 80% full, you know, you're not going to grow anymore. Well, is that where it's going to be? or our facilities costs going to go up. We don't know that yet. But what would you say are some opportunities? We have this window of time where people are getting comfortable with change because we've got this new norm. So, Corey, just talk to us. You know, Marsh, thank you for this question because it's all, I'm in a leadership position in my church. Mm -hmm. I'm the chair of the deacons. I've been the chair for more than 10 years I love to serve the servants of our church, and uh, I care deeply about this. And, you know, this week, my pastor brought an excellent message Sunday night. We're back meeting together. We're sitting every other pew, and we're trying to practice responsible things. But uh, my pastor preached a message last Sunday night of really casting his vision mm. for the future. You know, so I've been thinking about that. I've been thinking about your question. Honestly, what we're all going through right now is not just after COVID. We're in the middle of near anarchy in some cities. Yeah. yeah. Um, this week, the Supreme Court's decision that I won't go into details, but that was, you know, that's potentially alarming. Yeah. No, we're, it is alarming. We're <laughs> recording this way. in the middle of June 2020, so though you can go back and research what he's talking about. It is alarming. Go ahead. Right. So I, as a lay person, I look at this as an opportunity for lay people to reset, hmm. to reset personally, but reset in ministry. If, if God has placed a lay person in a position of responsibility, uh, maturity, then catch that vision that your church leadership is casting. And if they're not casting it, I'd say encourage them, uh, meet with them, say, what can we do moving forward, Pastor? What can we do? You know, you're, you're a layperson with no official responsibility. Go to that treasurer um, and say, how can I help serve? How can we move forward? I, I love our ministry and I want to see it move forward. So that's part of it. There's also this really personal revival. Okay. I'm challenging myself. You know, everything that leads to a more vibrant, moment-by-moment moment walk with God, just 
this chance to reset mm, yeah. to to say what what's going on with my time alone with God every day and how has my prayer life been growing and oh I, I'm gonna get back into some Bible memorization and just quote those verses to God my time alone with him this energetic and faithful support of the local church maybe it's it's getting outside of ourselves and okay finding a group of men or finding a group of women and having an informal Bible study or reading Christian biographies. You know, I, I look at Christian biographies and I think, you know what? In Hebrews uh, 12, 1, we hear about this cloud of witnesses, right? Right. We've got a 21st century cloud of mm -hmm. witnesses mm -hmm. that if our people could be revived, and, and we, we know this, our pastors have taught us this, but this is this opportunity to reset personally, right. to reset as a lay person. So I'm, I'm challenging myself. I actually have a, a meeting with my pastor in a couple of days here where I want to talk with him about his message and what can I do to, what can we do to, to support that moving that, that vision forward? That's great. So that's, so that's, so that's on a personal, personal level. Yeah, yeah. Right. You know, on the church administration side, so I'm looking at things like, what are the financial tools that we need in our toolbox that need to be cleaned up a bit or maybe introduced into the box? What are some tools that maybe could be pulled away? Um, so there's this whole thing of annual and long-term, hmm. thinking ahead annually, and it starts honestly with just a budget. Yeah. Now, now, some churches will have a budget that they work on hard to get it in place before the year begins. It goes to the annual business meeting and then never to be revisited. <laughs> I would say there's a greatly, there's a missed opportunity there of getting that budget into the accounting software or whatever it's going to be used to present it to the body, to present it to the pastor, mm -hmm. present it to the leadership, and actually look at that plan during the course of the year I try to say, do something that's not static, but dynamic. Use that budget to see where are the opportunities here. Sure. Yeah, it's How like half division with your budget, right? Right, right. But then, then long term. Yeah. Think, you know, cast out five years. If God were to bless us in, in our community, what ministries in our community has God put right within our eyesight of our local church? that we can make a difference in our community. Is it maybe getting a live stream going? And so the next COVID comes along, your own people have good quality, visual and audio. Right. But then there's also this pattern of, oh, our church in this community, every service is broadcast and, oh, my church is not able to do that. I'm gonna tune in there, I'm gonna keep getting fed. The quality of that investment in that technology could be part of the reset. Yeah, I think um, COVID, yeah. COVID revealed who was ready and who wasn't ready. Right. You, you know? are right. Yeah. So with the church, talk to me about, because I've seen announcements of ministries, especially camps, having to close this summer. Right. So this is also a great area to reset, to think about. You mentioned, you know, long-term finances. In the ministries that you minister to, of course, I'm not asking for names, but with churches, how many churches had enough savings to live through, or are they still surviving or will survive COVID? 
What has been your experience in that? Or, or was giving down or was it up? I know some ministries are giving actually went up, but the typical church, Corey, what have you seen during COVID? Right. I, I believe that we're not, I don't want to say out of the woods yet, but I think that there's still some things that we need to be watching for the rest of at least 2020 here. By and large, and I've had, I don't know how many conversations, probably in the dozens of conversations across the country over the last two, three months. Initially, very upfront, it was, oh my, what's gonna happen? Some churches, some fairly large churches, they did not have online giving and they had to quickly jump on it. So initially, very much concern. And then pretty quickly, it's like, well, praise the Lord, people are learning to give online, or well, I'm not sure exactly, but giving is holding. Mm-hmm. Well, here's my curiosity, I guess I'll say, I want to say concern, is I am really thankful for people whom God has prepared to give. He's not only provided them financial means to give, but he's taught them through their pastures, through their own personal time, to realize that God has richly blessed them and they can only respond in their giving. They respond by giving of thanks. They respond by giving to his work and to his workers. They respond by being generous with others. My curiosity is, is it those individuals who have recognized, okay, wait, my brothers and sisters, some have lost their jobs or some are just very concerned and nervous about their own personal family's finances. I think, Let's dig a little deeper. I've talked to people who said, well, we gave our next six months of giving. If that's what's supporting this, then, you know, we just need to wait it out uh, to see what does happen there. All right. So the average church, what I'd like to do, Corey, is to extend this into a part two in just a minute. But let's, let's finish with this question. The average church, what would you recommend saving? So let's say a church, I don't know, their monthly income or weekly income is a certain amount for general fund. How many weeks of savings or months of savings should the average ministry have in reserves for such a day as this? Right. That's a great question. So there's a rule of thumb Mm -hmm. that we have used for a long time, and it seems to work across not only churches, but some Christian ministries where you look at your annual budget. Mm -hmm. So let's say the annual budget just a number is $100,000. That if there is 15% of that annual budget that is set aside in funds, just totally available to absorb the fluctuations and ups and downs, then that's at least a target number. Okay. Now, 15%. Now, you got to look at it wisely because in some cases, there are churches and communities where, let's say it's a military community where you can have a big switcheroo in, in uh, sure you know, time, your, yeah. your greatly great people. You need to be more cautious than that. But 15% is a rule that okay. we found that some folks get a, t- a time sensor. Well, are, are we hoarding? Well, if you've got, you know, 100% of a year's budget, you, you should be asking that question more likely than a church that only has 15%. And some have like 0%. And they have to try to be as good as stewards and move toward having some cushion to absorb these these kind of challenges. That's a great rule of thumb, 15%. Uh, you've been listening to podcast ReChurch. Corey and I have been talking through pre-COVID, and right now we're talking about the big reset. So, Corey, thank you so much for taking time. You're listening to ReChurch. 
a podcast of Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. If you would like more information about our ministry or how we may assist you and your church, visit us at gfamissions.org slash consulting.